message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. He's amazing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to say thank you for the opportunity to speak your word, to share with your people the church. And Father, you call the church the bride of Christ. And, and if Jesus is the head of the church, because he's the head of the church, he protects the church. He leads the church. He guides the church. And Father, we are sitting under your authority to be guided, to be led by you. And do with us whatever you will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. You all look amazing. Praise God. Yeah. You look amazing. Feels like between yesterday and today, some, so many things have moved, shifted, changed. But this morning, I'm going to be talking to you, or rather, having a chat with us about God's visitation. God's visitation. And I'm taking my text from Luke chapter 19, and it's sitting around. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. In the calendar of the church, today is known to be the Palm Sunday, isn't it? Where are your palms, guys? Forget, forgot them at home. So it's known to be the Palm Sunday. And that story is regarding Jesus' entry into Jerusalem as a king but also in preparation for his death. But they never knew that. And they thought this king is the one that was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah, that your king will come on a donkey and they were expecting a military overrule. But it didn't happen that way. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, my father would send in myriads of angels. And that was to also speak to us to say that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against anything physical. We're in the world. We are not of the world. We are a citizen. A citizen of a different nation. As Christians, from the very moment we became Christians, we ceased to be, be Australians, we ceased to be Africans, we ceased to be Americans, we ceased to be Japanese and Chinese and so on and so forth. But we now belong to a different breed, a different nation, the nation that is spiritual, not physical, the nation whose king and ruler is God Almighty. And until you realize that, you keep living as though you are of this world. You are not of this world. Although you are in this world. 
That is why, because we are not of this world, you should not always allow the systems of this world to control you, to change the way you think, because you belong to a different sphere. You belong to Almighty God. The life of God now runs through your vein as a child of God. And the kind of life that runs through your vein is called Zoe. The very life of God. The life that cannot be poisoned. The life that cannot be undermined. The life that lives through the spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit of God, you have become not just natural. Because he has added super to your natural. And you have become a supernatural being. That you see your body is no longer what carries you. It's no longer what dictates for you. It is your spirit that dictates for you now. Because you belong to God. Paul said, or rather John said in 1 John, he said, ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So ye are of God. You belong to God. You hail from God. You hail from God. Because greater is he that is in you. And at times they want to see who that person is. Who is that person in you? You wait for it. Hallelujah. And until you understand and realize who this person, or rather, that there is a personality that resides on the inside of you. Not just the personality, the person that resides on the inside of you and always urging you in the path that you go to do the right thing, to serve the right God, to live for the right cause, you will continue to live like ordinary human beings. You're no longer ordinary human beings. And I'm almost tempted to call you aliens. Because that's who you are. You know, they're, they're looking out for um, UFOs. But they are IFOs. <laughs> Identified flying objects. Identified walking objects. In the house. In the world around us. You're expecting things, you know, people are expecting things to happen in a different way, but we have already shown up. They are expecting something to happen in a way that kind of, you know, lights up the sky and they feel like, oh, no, yeah, 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 things are happening. No, but we are already showing up. We've already walked through the system and taken over. You know, I've always said we are not here to take sides. We are here to take over. We are here to take over because we know whose we are and whom we've been called to be. We've been called to inherit the earth. Called to inherit the earth. Called to take over the earth. He said, for the knowledge of the glory of God will, shall cover the, 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 the earth as water covers the sea. And how can the knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth if it's not through you? Because we are the, the, the disseminants of the gospel. We are disseminating gospel. We are spreading gospel. We have become the preachers. We have become those who tell other people about God. We've become. Wait for it. 
The saviors of the world. And for some of you, you might think, oh, what are you talking about now? But that's it. Because the, 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 the power that God has got to save is the word of God. Oh, Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And Jesus said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all nations. And in other words, he's passing on the ability to save to us. He said, we've become the ambassadors for Christ. So, can you see that you're not just ordinary human being? You've become a savior to your world. So, the more you spread the gospel, the more you are spreading the saving power of God to the generations that is now and the generation that is to come. And I'm saying to you, take this opportunity, take the opportunity of the season being Easter to save some more. He said, if the God who is meant to blow the trumpet to help people prepare for war fails to blow the trumpet and the war comes into the city and destroy the nation, he said the blood will be on the head of the God. Why? Because the city, at that point where he's on guard, becomes his responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the prime minister to ensure that war or violence do, do not creep into this country. It is the responsibility of border force. When anything happens, the prime minister brings them to account. Do you get it? So it is your responsibility to save some more. Because when we face Jesus tomorrow, we are going to be standing in, and he'll be asking us, what did you do with the gospel that I gave to you? What did you do? How many people did you win? How many people did you talk to? How many people did you save from hell? Let me paint a scary picture just a little bit. You see that beautiful friend of yours that is always standing by you, and you, you have a beautiful time with that person, and yet he's not a Christian. Think about that beautiful friend in hell without God. You see, it might not make, make sense to that beautiful friend because you can have all of this conversation, all of this you know, um, mental conversation, all of this rational conversation, you know, even intellectual conversation to prove whether or not there is God. But at the end of the day, and I will always say this, Let's say all Christians, let's say all of us in this house believed in God and at the end of the day, it, 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 it turns out that there is no God. Question, what would we have lost? But what if it turns out that there is God? We win everything. And who would have lost? The ones who never knew God. Okay, I've just taken you through a rational path. And it's up for conversations and discussion. But you see, at the end, we believe by faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith has not seen yet believed. He said, faith is the one who takes hold, whose evidence 
is unseen, but yet believe. He said, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So it's the evidence of things not seen. You have not seen it, but you hold an evidence of it. And, and that is what Christian life is about because we have the Holy Spirit as the initial deposit of the things to come. And that's what the scriptures calls them, the initial deposit. And yesterday, most of or not most of us, some of us were here. And just going through that beautiful, beautiful experience of learning about the Holy Spirit. And some of us got to experience an amazing time in God's presence. And you know what? We've been changed. Luke chapter 19. God's visitation, right? God's visitation. Verse 28. After saying these things, Jesus headed straight up to Jerusalem. When he got near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you will find a colt, tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says anything, ask, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. So the two left. First question for you. What did they ask the master? Nothing. Did they say, Master, I'm not going to be available? Nope. And the thing is, it was not even about the disciples because their names were not mentioned. Can you see? Because they recognized something that is much more than them. And they recognized one thing mostly. When Jesus was being baptized, a voice came down from heaven, the Bible says. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. At the marriage festival, the Canaan of Galilee, you know how people want to defend the idea of drinking. They always talk about that. Say, Jesus turned water into wine, so why can't, why can't I drink? It's okay. Calm down. Calm down. We're not here to talk about that now. But at the Canaan of Galilee, someone, someone, his mother, Mary, remembered these same words and went to Jesus and said, Jesus, do you care? The wine is finished and the feast has only just started. We don't have any, any more wine. And Jesus said, woman, can you please not disturb me? It's not my time yet. Because Jesus is this person, so humble. So humble. He's always not wanting the light to be shown on him. And every time he healed someone, he's always telling them, don't tell anybody. And yet some people come back to say, oh, thank you, master. And he tells other people, he says, see how grateful they are. So Mary went and said, the wine is finished. And he said, don't disturb, please. Don't expose me. My time is not yet. 
And you know what Mary did? Mary did not keep on nagging him. Mary just walked away, went to the guys that were standing opposite and went, whatever he asks you to do, do it. Because Mary knows that this son of mine, before he ever came into this world, he was prophesied. Something was spoken about him. He is not ordinary. We said to the people, whatever he asks you to do, do it. His disciples, or those people, later Jesus called them and said, hey, just fill up the pots. And they filled up the pots. And Jesus didn't pray. He said, okay, then draw out of the pot. In other words, take some, you know, those water out of those 12 pots that you have. Take some water out of it. Take it to the head, you know, to the um, head of the feast and have him tested. And that guy felt, whoa, how come you bring in the excellent wine when everyone is almost drunk? The way it should be is that you should bring out the, the proper wine first, the best wine. And after everyone is drunk and had enough, then you can bring out the fake one. So this is excellent. But the thing was, Jesus spoke to those people. And let's not go into the details of it because at the end of it, they will realize that those 12 pots were actually washing pots. They were used for washing the feet. So they were actually dirty pots. All right. And some people try to um, put science into it. But the disciples knew this about Jesus. So they didn't have to ask him a question. He just sent them, go, and you will see a colt that is littered, untied, and bring it. And if anyone asks you, what are you doing with it? Say, the master needs him. The master needs him. You know, at times, we're so, we're, we are so tied to our post. Are you still here? We are so tied to our post that even when the master needs you, you give an, an excuse. And you know this is a master, the, the master calling you give an excuse, God. Can I say this? Please, can you not, when Jesus comes, not take up a shift? <laughs> Please try not to, because you'll be left behind. And you'll be surprised that the person that you, you know, where you're going to actually go and do your work, wherever you, whatever you do, They'll be taken, and you'll only be there alone by yourself. And yet you're a Christian. You just miss it. All right. That was a joke. But I'm serious. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Said, As they were untying the colt, actually, its owner said, what are you doing untying the colt? They said, his master needs him. And what did the owner do? They let the cart go. You know, at times when you tell your manager or whoever you, you've got at work and say, hey, I've got to be somewhere. This place is really important to me. And they don't allow you to go. You, say, you, you tell them again, say, what if I told you I was sick? What if I told you someone is dying in my family? Would you believe me? Say, of course. Say, how about being honest to you? At times you just need to bring their mind back that this is very important to me. The master calls. I've got to go. And it's not always about work. Okay? So that it doesn't feel, feel like I'm bashing you. I don't want to. But it could also be about so many other things in life. It could be about sleep. Can't be bothered to wake up on a Saturday morning. Let's sleep some more. 
It could be about some other things else. It can be there. Must you always be at church? You know, those little words, those little voices that speak in your head. Sometimes you just need to say, the master calls. The master calls. What if I was the cult on that day? Would I say I won't go? Or would I obey? Do you know the cult didn't do anything? It didn't even, well, the Bible didn't say that it struggled. Because there was a prophecy for the cult that it is coming to the master. And the prophecy was not when Jesus said it. It was said in the book of Zechariah. So there was already a future planned out for the cult. There's a future that's planned out for you. Are you ready to heed the voice of the master? So they brought the cult to Jesus. Then throwing their coats on his back, they helped Jesus get on. As he rode, the people gave him a grand welcome, throwing their coats on the street right at the crest. Where Mount Olive begins his descent, the whole crowd of disciples burst into an enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. Over all the mighty works they had witnessed. Okay? It's not something that they just saw. It's something that they've always seen. Praise God. And now before I take you to exactly where I want to take you to, but I want to take you quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Matthew 21, verse 1. Same story, but I want you to see something in verse 7, 8, and 9. Chapter 21, verse 7. Verse 6. 6 is good. Thank you. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Same story. Okay? They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Who did first? The disciples. So do you think if the disciples didn't do it, that others would have done? I don't think so. Because naturally, humans follow after an example. If someone has already set an example before them, they almost naturally follow it. Okay. A very large crowd started to spread their cloaks on the road while others see what others were doing. Others who do not, did not have cloaks to put on the road. And what, when they talk about cloaks, it's just the outer garment. You know, back then in the Middle East, they wear this long robe. So they put those and those long robes is what dignifies or determines how people regard you. For you to know who a high priest is, is he is known by his long robe, the kind of robe it is, and their big heart. For you to know who a ruler is back then is determined by his purple robe. But these guys put down what? Their dignity. <laughs> All right. So when he's talking about robes, they're not just putting down clothes. They were putting down, laying down their dignity before Jesus. Think about it. They were not putting it on Jesus to say, well, we're kind of putting our dignity on you. No, they were putting it down on the floor for Jesus. Whatever I am, whatever I've been, I lay it down before you, God. If only you can step on mine. 
And I wonder, for some people who could not provide or have an outer robe that day, who had no dignity at all, what they put down. For those who had no dig dignity, no um, cultural or community stands, what they had to put down. Guess what they put down? They cut branches from the tree. They went into work straight away. Cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Do you realize that today is not called Cloak Sunday? It is called Palm Sundays. For those who had no dignity that went into work to cut down the branches of the palm and put them down. When you come to Jesus, when you take up his cross, when you live for him, come with no dignity whatsoever. Lay it all down before him. You are no longer the daughter or the son of a prime minister. You are just you here right now before him. You know, the ruler, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night and said, Master, what must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus say to him? He said, hey, go sell everything that you've got. He said, no, don't say that. That's everything that I live for. Before then, Jesus said, well, you know, Jesus said, hey, you must be born again. John chapter 3. So you must be born again. He said, how can a man be born, be born again when he's already grown? Would he go back into his mother's womb again to be born again? He said, no. He said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And when he talks about water, water stands for the word of God the washing of the water by the word and spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So, except a man, he's moved by the word of God and the spirit of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot perceive the kingdom of God. He cannot live in the kingdom of God. And when he talks about the kingdom of God, he's, a, he's almost about the life that we live now. All right. So, if you're born of God, you found yourself in the kingdom because he, you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. So, it's not when you, um, you, know, you die or when Jesus comes, that's when you get into the kingdom of God. No, when you got born again, you have been delivered into the kingdom of God. Okay? But the kingdom of heaven, at times, most people live their life just to see heaven. It's okay. But you're coming back to earth anyway. After a thousand years, the Bible says. So why not live your life on earth as though, you know what, I'm preparing this place because it actually belongs to me. That when you've gone and come back, you still feel comfortable on earth. For some of you, you're going to regret coming back to earth. and go, Oh, no, oh, no, don't take me back there. Do you know how much I did there? Just terrible. Because you're coming back here. But God calls it a new earth. Then. Praise God. All right. So, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stared and asked, who is this? 
Who is this? And why did people ask who is this? Why do you think people asked who is this? Because of the people that were hailing him. Do you know the only way people will know about Jesus is if you speak out for him, if you boast of him. That's the only way they will get to hear about Jesus. If you keep quiet, what did they say? You know, I'll tell you what will happen. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. All right, go ahead. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying. Okay, this did not actually talk about it. I'll take you back to Luke chapter 19 again. Ta-ta-ta-da. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 19, verse 39, or 38. Let's take 38. Luke 19, verse 38. So they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke them. Rebuke your disciples. Stop them from yelling out. Stop them from disturbing the city. Stop them from shouting about your fame. Who are you anyway? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You want them to keep quiet? If they keep quiet, other people will take their place. Because no one can stop this. There's something already set in motion. No one can stop it. If you stop what you can control, you will realize that these things that you cannot control will take over. And I was, while I was studying, the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart that right there, Jesus just threatened them. And the threat that he gave to them was, hey, you think that the whole kingdom of God belongs to you, the Jews, because you are Jews. If you stop your fellow Jews from worshiping, the Gentiles will come and take it over. And did it happen? Yes. You see, from the natural occurrence of God's kingdom, we were not even eligible to be children of God at all. We were considered Gentiles. As long as God's children, natural children, who are the Jews were alive, we were condemned. Naturally. And Jesus said to them, if you stop these ones, if you use your laws to stop them, if you threaten them and say you cannot do this because this guy is, you know, whatever you called him. He said, the stones, the Gentiles that you've never perceived, those that you thought have been cut out from the, from the commonwealth of promise, they will cry out. Are we crying out today? We are. We are. We are the ones who have not seen him yet believed. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not yet seen me yet believe. Hallelujah. So, and now where I want to take you to, we'll keep going. See, he was still on his way as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, pay attention here, if you, even you, had only known on this day what will bring you peace, if only you know what will bring you peace. See, but now it's hidden from your eyes. If only you know that the appearance of Jesus, the word, the, the gospel of Jesus could bring you peace. But because with your own understanding, with your own argumentative perception, it's hidden from your eyes. 
It's hidden from your eyes with your own excuses of how it makes sense or how it doesn't make sense or how too busy you've become. He said, now it's hidden from your eyes. He said, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side that will dash you to the ground and you and your children within your walls. said, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And that's all I've been talking about. God's visitation. In other words, you are not going to be told this is God's visitation. He will visit like every other person. He will show up like every other person. He's not going to come to you to say, hey, Lillian, open for me. I'm God. No, because then you will obey him. You respect him because of the fear. But he will just come to you like any other person that caught me knocking at your door and say, please open. And Jesus said, I was hungry, you fed me. You know, I, I was in prison, you came to visit me. And they said, but master, how? how? Because we didn't see you. He said, no, 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 when you did it to one of your brethren, you did it for me. Hebrews chapter 12, you know, when he talked about let brotherly love continue, he said, because some, of, some has entertained strangers unaware that they were angels. Are you still here? So he, Jesus, walking into Jerusalem, saw the whole city and wept over it. Because while some are rejoicing, some are saying, stop them from rejoicing. So if only you know. If only you know. Let's, let's take that again, verse 41. Verse 41. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day, on this day, what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Can you pray a prayer that when your peace is around you, you will recognize it? You know, at times you have a need and you've been praying and yet God brings very close to you and you can't recognize it. You can't recognize it. The Holy Spirit, when he comes to you, he does not come, you know, anymore. He, he can decide however he wants to come, but mostly he wouldn't these days come anymore like a rushing mighty wind. He comes to you gentle, quiet spirit. When God encounters you, but I'm pretty sure that God still works amongst us today. You know, have you ever seen those circumstances where the person that you saw a moment ago that came to tell you about, you know, where you are going in a particular city and kind of direct you in a particular beautiful road that all of a sudden everything makes sense to you. You want to turn around and say, thank you, he's gone? I'm not quite sure that's, that's an angel. I'm not quite sure. It could have been a human being who God has just positioned in that place for you at that time. And nothing else is required so that person leaves even before you realize it. I don't know. But I'm saying to you, if only you know what makes for your peace, don't let it be hidden from your eyes. Don't let it be hidden from your eyes. Don't sleep over it. Don't feel like, oh, no, it's not, it's not your time. No. Accept every moment. To Timothy, Paul was saying, said, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, don't think it's going to come at a particular time at your own readiness. Say, so be ready anytime. Anytime. So if you're called to do something, don't say, I'm not ready. Say, so be ready anytime. Be ready anytime. 
Do you know why? Because the world is changing. And you are on stage to deliver. Don't push your responsibility. I thank for some of you who come to church and focus on a particular task. And you come here, you do those tasks without being reminded. You're blessed. You're blessed. You know, we might recognize it and tell you thank you. We might not even recognize it and tell you thank you. But your father that's, that sees in the secret will reward you openly. I wish I made up that word, but Jesus said it. He rewards you openly. Don't let it be hidden from your eyes. One more. If they have only known on this day what will bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build up an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And do you know what? It happened to Jerusalem. It happened to Jerusalem. The Romans took over. Historically, the Romans took over and tore it down. Jerusalem used to be the capital. Now it lost its capital. Right? And everyone, you know, all the Jews were spread out through the world. And that's why today, you know, Donald Trump, Whatever I was thinking, I'm not sure. But I think it's God's will. Declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel again and the whole world is upside down. But it's God's will. It's God's will. But that kind of tells you that Jerusalem was decapitalized. It was decentralized. According to the words of Jesus. So can you believe that for yourself to say, you know what, I will recognize God's visitation. That whenever he comes to me, I will be ready. You know what it said about his yoke? It said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, so take my yoke upon you. If you've ever gotten a burden on your heart, when you come to church, lay it down at his feet. And say, Lord, I don't want to walk out of here with this yoke of bondage. I want to be set free. And you know what? He can. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Don't shy away from him. Don't say, I don't know what to say. If you don't know what to say, just be there. And ask him like a friend. Hey, I'm here. Just like this. I came here because I trust you. I came here because I believe you. Take this burden away from me. Because I believe you can. And he will. Because he said he will. When you ask. And all things are possible to them that believe. Have you been blessed? Don't miss the time of God's visitation. It might just be now. Can you stand on your feet?